0: We started the first portion of our series two weeks ago, and we began to talk about how that we as Americans are blessed Whether we realize it or not, I know sometimes you can compare yourself with everybody else and you could say, yes, I'm blessed, but I'm not as blessed as them. But what we learned is that if you make $33,000 a year or more in a total combined household income, you're part of the top 1% wage earners in the world. And so I know you came here, maybe that's what you're making. My statement doesn't make you feel more rich. You didn't say, wow, my whole day was made. My God, did you hear we're rich? Why? Because you still got bills. You still have to live life. But, but even though I don't feel it, how many know I can learn to know it? And if I know I'm rich, then it's got to change the behavior. And 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 I don't feel bad about being rich. Come on, somebody. Look, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't feel bad because we know that God gives us what he gives us so that we can enjoy it and be a blessing to the world around us. And that's what we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. Look at what it says. You will be made rich. Everybody say, I'm rich. rich. In every way. You don't have to say that. In every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and that through your generosity, this will result, people are gonna give thanks to God. It's like, wow, they're the most generous people I've ever met. Look, I, I was raised in restaurants my whole life. Um, my dad had them, my great uncle had them, and so we were, we were just in restaurants our entire life, and I, and I hate to say it, uh, the worst day for a wait staff or a waiter or a waitress is a Sunday. They, nobody ever wanted to work on Sunday. And, and I know when some people say, well, that's because they party all Saturday night. No, baby. If they made money on Sunday, I don't care how late they partied, they would come in. <laughs> come on, somebody. It's because some of the worst tippers were Christians. I, I used to hate it. We, we were right beside a church, our restaurant, Phyllis and I owned a restaurant, right beside a church. One time I had someone come in and give a waiter a track as the tip. Well, here's your tip. I'm like, well, you can't pay bills. So we pulled money out of our pocket and gave it to the way I'm saying, I'm sorry they misrepresented. Look, if I want you to read something, I'm going to bless you so greatly that you're like, why in the world would they bless me like that? I need to read why they're so generous. Can we have that as the, the mantra and the the, the the premise of who the church is, that we are generous, not tight. We, we need to live open-handed, not closed-fisted. And so I want us to realize there's a responsibility when we are blessed that God really expects some things from us, and, and it's very fascinating. They've, they've done all kinds of study on the generosity of Americans, and what's interesting is that they have found the more money you make, the less you give. That when God blesses you more, you actually do the opposite. You don't give more, but you give less. There's a Gallup survey uh, where they surveyed almost half of all charitable contributions in the United States come from household incomes that make less than $30,000 a year. Almost half. Half. Of all the money given to charitable contributions to these these nonprofits, think about that to incomes of less than thirty thousand a year, and, and the average charitable giving among Christians is two and a half percent of adjusted gross income. Two and a half percent. Think about that. That to me sounds like a tip. Yeah, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's funny how you can come into the church, and a hundred dollars sounds like a lot. It's like woo. I gave God. I dropped a bill on God. Well, go drop that bill at the mall. See what you get. Maybe a pack of gu- bubble gum and a Cinnabon. <laughs> Tell me I ain't lying. Like I won't even go into the mall. Why? Because I'm not going to waste all the money I'm going to have to spend at the mall. Like, like, it's crazy. There was a day where $100 was a lot, but put that $100 in a different environment, and it carries such a different weight. It's so interesting. And, and maybe that's why the apostle Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, you know, he's talking here to the uh, pastor Timothy, and, and what we see is that as we get more money, we give less. I think the reason we give less and we've seen it is because we now put our trust in the provision and not the provider. So the trust becomes now my savings account. Ever had a good savings account? You're like, woo, I can survive. Maybe your investment account, you, you, you invested in, 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 in Apple before it became big or you invested in Tesla or some Ford or whatever it is and, and you're like, wow, my stock is big. So God, I'm, bl- I'm gonna give sacrificially and I'm gonna tithe, I'm gonna do all that here. But now, woo, I got some money. Maybe your retirement is looking really good. Well, you start to put your trust than that. That's why we stop giving because now the, the, the provision becomes the source and not the provider and Paul addresses this to Timothy. He said look I want you to talk to the church that you pastor. Timothy was a young pastor and he said I need you to do something. I want you to command those look in verse 17 who are rich. Everybody say that's me. I don't know you might not feel rich. I understand there's other reasons why you might not feel rich. Maybe you're over leveraged. Maybe you mismanage, you know, so, so we can address those on a separate occasion, but according to the stats, if you make over 30,000 total combined household income, I just need you to know you're in the top 1% and here's what you have to know. God's not going to judge you based on your feeling. He's going to judge you based on fact. We get to heaven. He's going to say you were rich. And you're, I didn't feel like it is not really going to work with God. And that's why as a pastor, I just got to come to you and say, hey, listen, we just need to be ready and recognize, look, I am him. I'm the one he's talking about. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And we talked about this on week one. My job, I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to feel grateful. Right. No, I don't feel guilty about being blessed. Thank God I got air conditioned in my car in the summer in Texas. Not only do I have air conditioned, I got seats that are air conditioned. I had some friends from up north drive down They or flew in and they, they've ridden in my truck and they're like, man, this is nice. I'm like, this is Texas. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to have some bus sweat. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't feel guilty. Let everybody else drive around with that. Not me. I'm good. But I can promise you this. If God ever tells me to give that truck away, I'm going to give that truck away. I appreciate the blessing. I love the blessing. Thank you for blessing me. But God, that blessing will never get in the way of the blesser. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't feel guilty. But I will say this. Just be grateful. Realize it's not because you're smart, it's not because you're strategic, it's because God loves you and God has blessed you. Now, verse 18, he says, here's what I want to focus on, command those who are rich to do good. So look, I'm going to enjoy it, but then there's a responsibility. What's my responsibility? I got to do some good. I got to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. So in other words, I have more because God wants me to give more. Do you understand? Like, like it's good to enjoy those blessings, but there's also a purpose to the blessing that God has put in your life, that whatever level, it's scalable. Whatever level, the question is, what are you doing with what God has put in your hands? And he says, that's, that's what life is all about. Look, doing good with the money and the, the resources that God has given, that you're blessing people, that you're, that you're touching lives, you're making a difference, Yes, enjoy what you have, but make sure you're a blessing. Make sure you make a difference. And that's the fourth part of our vision here at this church. We want you to know God. That's the first thing. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose, but we also want you to make a difference that in our life we are impacting people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's an important question that we've got to ask is, how do I give as someone who is rich? We're going to talk about rich givers, rich givers. How do I give as someone who is rich? Well, truly rich people, they actually give strategically. That's the first thing. I want you to write this down. Taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. (laughs) Strategically. I think a lot of times we've been moved to give emotionally. We've been manipulated to give, to need. I I want you to know God's not going to judge you based on whether or not you gave to a needy person. You remember when that woman washed the foot of Jesus? He said, the poor you'll have with you always. She could have sold that alabaster box. She could have given it to the poor, but what she did was what God wanted. She wanted, he wanted her to anoint the foot of Jesus, and that means there's strategy in the way people who are rich give. We don't just give to anything and everything. There's a predetermined strategic plan that me as a rich person, I am going to walk out in my life. In other words, I've already decided. Otherwise, what happens is you're going to walk into church and you give God tips. How many know our God is worthy for more than a tip? It's like, no, 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 God, I'm not going to come and tip you and just give you what's in my pocket. Number one, you don't even carry cash. (laughs) <laughs> and text to give, you're like, I don't even know how to do it. You know, no, no. no. You got to decide. I'm going to decide. That means I've given thought, consideration. I'm not because I'm m- manipulated, not because there's a need. You know, even in this church throughout the nine years, nine and a half years we've been a church, I've never manipulated anything. And there has been needs, but even in the midst of some of the greatest needs, you never knew the depth of the need. I just said, give to the vision, whatever the Lord puts in your heart. I'll never forget last year. We needed $1.3 million in July to finish this building. Y'all didn't know that. I didn't come up and say, I need every person to give $1,000. If everybody gives a 1000 we might actually, no, 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 no. I just said, hey, God, this is your building. You told us to do this. I'm going to keep pastoring and casting vision. And if you called us to walk this out, then you've got to provide. And look at what God did. We are in the middle of a miracle in this building. We give because we know it's right to give. Like, there are principles in the Bible where he says, this is what you do. You don't have to have a feeling. You say, I need to feel lead. All right, give you some lead. Put it in your pocket, and every time you can feel led to give. <laughs> come on, right? I mean, it's like, you, I, I don't live on feelings. I like to have feelings. It was great to feel the presence of God today. But, you know, there's a lot of days I'll come and I don't feel anything. But I know the king is here. I know what his word says. And I'm not going to be swayed because I don't have a feeling. The second reason we give is because God moves in our heart. He speaks to us specifically. And that happens all the time. I mean, I told you just a couple of weeks ago, I saw a lady on the side of the road with her baby. And, you know, I, I'm a type of person I won't be taken advantage of. It's real hard for me to give in situations like that because I think, well, you got health. But I was, I was questioning God. And, and just to be candid, I actually pulled off. I had 20 bucks in my pocket, which I rarely have cash, and I I felt the Lord say something. I'm like, nah, it's good. We're good. She's good. She looks healthy. You know, it's uh, (laughs) all the things, right? All the things. And I pulled off, and it was the new HEB, and so I pulled out, and they've got that little strip center right there, and I felt the Lord say, you're going to miss me. You're going to miss me. I just pulled right back around, and I handed her, I don't know if I told you this, I handed her the 20. She barely said thank you. So then you're like offended. You're like, I done circled around. You ain't even act like it's a big deal. What was you expected? And I felt the Lord say, don't worry about her face. Don't worry about anything. Just know you obeyed me, and you're the only person that can unlock the blessing of God in, my, in your life. And so that's where God begins to move on us. And that's why as a church, listen, we have never had some spontaneous offering. Now, I'm not saying we never will. If God ever moved, and I would do it. But in nine and a half years, we've never done it. We have a legacy offering. And I'm very clear with what's happening and where it's going and what the need is. In fact, last month, you guys gave to the legacy offering. Do you want to know how much you guys gave last month to the legacy offering? You gave $92,237 and 59 cents. Isn't that awesome? But what happened? Listen, I said, Hey, here's where we're at. We believe God's called us to buy that land next to us. We've got to get in position. Part of that is paying down this bridge loan and getting in position. And you guys gave, but there was no manipulation. Here's the reality. If we want that land, you're going to have to give. And if you don't, we'll just keep adding services. We got a property, right? And that's where I just trust God to speak to his people. And here's what I trust, too. I trust that you're going to listen and obey. And we've seen God do it time again, here after here, after year after year. And it's been an amazing way for us to see God do what only God could do. Now, you know, he talked about in that passage that be a cheerful giver, cheerful giver. I, I think sometimes we, we come to God and we give, but it's not cheerfully. We grudgingly give. <sighs> you know, we're like, well, you want that? Look, you just want it all. No, God, God's not broke in heaven. There's no because I have to, it's because I get to. I mean, think about giving. When you give to someone you love, do you have a grudging spirit? Are you like, I can't believe I got to give you these clothes for school? <laughs> Some of you might. (laughs) No, I mean, think about the diamond ring. You bought your fiance, your wife now. I mean, you wasn't like, I can't believe I got to spend all that money. That rock ain't got to be that big. (laughs) No. You're tickled pink. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to do this. And you save for it. And you get excited about it. You go back to the jeweler and you look at it. You know what I mean? You're like, oh my, I'm a terrible giver because I can hardly keep a secret. I get so excited. And if there's a gap from when I buy it to when I give it, I almost always give it away. Recently, Phyllis and I bought a nice basketball goal for our kids. They've always wanted one. And we have those little portable ones which fall down. And so we got into our house and we said, hey, we're going to really get a nice basketball goal. Well, it took us a little while to get it. But it took them three weeks from the time I bought it to the time they installed it. And I'm telling you, time after time, it almost slipped out. I was almost going to tell Caden. I'm like, Caden, don't say nothing. But I didn't. I because mean, Caden, I'll tell you because I'm so excited. Well, I didn't but I get so excited Even the, the, you know, Phyllis and I, am like, don't say nothing. She's like, don't say nothing. She called me, Jim, don't say anything. Let it be a surprise. She must have told me four or five times. Why? Because I love my kids. I love the fact that we could provide something that they wanted. I love blessing them. Well, that's how it ought to be with us and God. God, I'm just so grateful that you've given me breath in my lungs. I'm so grateful that my marriage has helped me. My life is healthy. And God, I just want to give back to you what already belongs to you. And the challenge is, a lot of people, this is a topic that will get in between people and God. Like, you could talk about healing, you could talk about the gifts, you talk about a lot of things, but people don't want you to talk about money, and the problem is, is they've got that money positioned in the wrong place in their life. That where you place your money determines the view that you have of God. So so there's something that's taped on the back of your seat, everybody, there's two pennies. You saw them, I know you saw them. You're like, why they got two pennies? The back of seat, grab them. It's for this illustration. It's on the what? On the top. Look, you've been looking at them the whole time. You're like, what in the world? I'm blessing you. This is our blessing to you. Just leave them on the seat when you walk out. <laughs> yeah, I want you to try this. Look, the smallest amount can distort your view. So, this is a penny, it's not $100. We're not talking about $50. We're not talking about $20. We're talking about one penny, and you got a penny in each hand. Now, if you put your penny right in front of your eyes, put them up to where you can't see me. Put them right right there. Can you see me when it's in front? No? Some of you are like, i got x-ray vision, Pastor. That's all my mamas. <laughs> that's how you do with your kids. All right, I already saw it. Do it again. Can you see me? Put it right back. Can you see me? No. There's an obstruction that even the smallest amount in the wrong place causes you to have a wrong view of God and a wrong view of his truth. See, we think it takes a lot of money. Oh, when I get rich, no, 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 no. That's how come poor people stay poor. It's a spirit of poverty. That, that it's the fact that your whole life it's been the skewed view. You're like, God's the enemy. No, no, no. God's not the enemy. God wants to bless you. The devil has deceived you. He has lied to you. And there have been people that have manipulated the conversation of money for self-interest and self-gain. Listen, I'm not one of them. This church isn't one of them. And so now what we've got to do is take God's truth and say, God, I choose to live in the light of your truth so that my life can be blessed so that I can be a blessing. Look, you can't bless the world broke. One of the greatest things that we were able to do this last year, we stood up and we talked about our annual review. If you ever want to know about our income, if you ever want to know about our impact, go to the website right where you give. We have our annual review, we do it every year. But I was so blessed this last year to announce that we have given over a million dollars to missions in the last nine years. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing because we're able to impact the world. You can't do that when you're broke. So, okay, okay, I'm going to put, put, put money in the right perspective, in the right place. How do I do it? Well, to become a strategic giver, the greatest thing that we can do is we can become tithers. Tithers. It's a principle called tithing, and tithing teaches us to put what's in our hands in the right position of our life. What's in our hands in the right position of our life. I want you to look. We see this throughout the scripture, but in Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So what is a tithe? The tithe, the biblical understanding of a tithe is that it's the first 10% of your increase, So whatever you bring in, it's the first 10% that you bring into the local church, the place where you get fed, the place where your family gets fed. You know, I've had people say, oh, pastor, I I tied to this ministry and that ministry. I'm like, well, do you go to church? Yeah, well, why are you not taking that first portion to the place that feeds you and your family and reaches your community and the place where you live? Tithing, why, why, why? Is it because heaven is broke? Nope. Is it because God needs your help? Nope. Tithing teaches us to put God first. It's a principle. It's a God first life. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 23. Look at Deuteronomy 14, 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. God first. See, it's the first ten percent. Now, the beautiful thing about that is percentages are equal to, no matter what your scale. And I always think it's funny. I have, I've had people over the years. I've had people say a lot of things over the years. But I had someone tell me when I hit the lottery. They used to go to that store down there in Rosenberg, the one that's kind of famous for hitting. What is it, Rudy? How y'all know that? That was a test. My God, that was like half this church. They play in numbers. Praise God. Let them win in Jesus' name. <laughs> Woo! Okay, quick. I had someone tell me, Pastor, if I if I hit that lottery, I'm gonna tithe on it. So let's just say, let, let's just walk this out. Are you a tither now? Nope. Okay. Probably don't make a lot now, probably 30, 40,000. it's cool. So you're telling me that you can't give God three to $4,000 in a year, but you hit the jackpot, and you get a million dollars, and all of a sudden you're going to tie the $100,000? Are you kidding? It's a percentage test. That's so cool how God works it. And what I found is in a faithful with little, God will give me ownership and rulership over much. See we say, when I get, God says, but what do you have right now? What are you doing with what you have right now? Are you faithful with what you got right now when you are? I'll continue to bless you. And some of you, you're like, man, but God's already blessed me. I'm making all this money. Yeah, but the problem is you still live like a broke person. You're over leveraged. You're about to lose everything. You're one or two paychecks away from having it all fall apart. And I would say this. See, tithing gives you protection and provision. So the providing is the abundance, the protection is it keeps the enemy away from robbing you. The Bible talks about having uh, purses with holes in them. You're like, I'm wealthy, yeah. Well, where does it always tend to slip through your fingers? It's because you hadn't put God first. When you put God first, it's it's now saying, God, I trust you with the first and the best, and I know that you'll bless the rest. The second thing tithing teaches us is it teaches us to increase our faith in God. Tithing increases my faith in God. When I give God my first and my best, I, I learn to trust him with the rest. See, I know if you've not tithed and you've never practiced this, here's what I, what I hear often and I totally understand it. It's, hey, pastor, I just can't afford to tithe. I totally get it. Totally understand And uh, it's not easy to start tithing if you've never tithed. But what I want you to know is that you're never going to be in a position where it makes sense to start tithing. Why? Because your your money's not blessed. Your life's not blessed. And so the enemy can always come in and rob and steal. You think this will be the month I'm going to tithe, and now you've got $1,000 worth of dental work with your kids. And you're like, could you just brush your teeth? My daughter, well, I was going to tell a story on my daughter, but I shouldn't do it because it's not in a good light. But, but listen, this is what I know. I'm, I'm reserved. Y'all saw that? I'm a good daddy. It would be a story I'd have to give her money for. <laughs> That's what the enemy comes in. He can, he can take. Why? Because you're not giving God the first and the best. And so I understand the hardship. I do want you to hear that. What I would challenge you is if you've never done it, maybe you start off with a smaller percentage, 5%. Say, God, I'm going to give this as my increase comes in and I steward it better. I'm going to go to 10%. Or you just go all in and you say, God, I'm going to do 10%. Here's what you have to know. That's where God steps in. See, faith is not a want to, a think to, I have to. A faith step says I'm going to do it, and then you actually do it. That's the faith walk. Otherwise, it's just faith talk. Faith walk actually... Says, okay, I'm going to do. God, I'm going to trust you. It doesn't make sense, but here's what I've always seen in my time. I've tithed my entire life. You know, that's my mama sitting right there. Am I lying, mom? I ain't lying at all, am I? She'd give me a quarter, she'd give me a dollar. We'd go tithe and just my entire life. But I can tell you that from the age of 14, when I started to work a job, I have been blessed my entire life. I was telling my staff, it's amazing to see the blessing of God chase my life down. That no matter what season, even when my business had some bumps and some some, some crazy things happened to it. I never lost anything. There were some tight days. I never went without. God always provided. And then it's amazing to see where we live now. People say, man, you're rich. And I'm like, well, I am. They don't know that I don't make what they make. But God has a way of finding the blessings to come and chase my life. Because I've learned to say, God, I give it to you first. And I'm telling you, you cannot outgive God. God. It's funny, the years I've given more than I've ever given my life, it's like God blesses me more. I'm like, it is unbelievable. Now, I don't do it for the blessing. But it's amazing that when you develop that and you cultivate it, it's like I would never in my life, even if I didn't go to church, I would still tithe. (laughs) I want to give you a, a story of someone. Melissa is sending a story. You know, we're talking about it gives, it takes faith to give to God. I want you just to hear. She was talking about tithes and offerings. Her first statement on tithes, she said, A revelation. I had a revelation a while back about tithing, and I saw it when I was working on my budget spreadsheet. As I listed my bills out each month, I learned about the tithing principle. So I put our tithes first above all the bills, and alongside each bill, I would write God first. God first. God first. Then she goes into offerings. She said, then as far as offerings, a couple of months ago, Al and I prayed and God gave us a specific amount. We kept each other accountable with that amount and God has been faithful to provide that when we started, we were struggling paycheck to paycheck. Since then, our salaries have increased to over 50% in a short amount of time. We have been walking by faith and not by sight. Isn't that amazing? I don't care how much money you make. You can have a great income and still be living paycheck to paycheck. It's not about the amount. It's about where you're at in life. And, and I love that about God, the percentage. It's percentage. God, I give you the first 10% back and I give it to you in faith, because it's never going to make sense. But I want you to know this, that God gives us a promise, and it follows in Malachi chapter 3.10. That's the one place in the Bible that God tells us to try him, to test him, and to prove him. Look at what it says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. He's talking about returning back the tithe. That's what Malachi, the whole book, is about returning back to God. And so my people have robbed me. How have they robbed you? In tithes and offerings. In other words, they spend it on themselves. And God said, bring it back to me. And it's not just financially. He blesses your health. He blesses your, your conversations. I mean, it's every area of your life. It's amazing when you see people who walk in this and you can literally see the grace of God, the favor of God, the power of God in people's life. It's amazing i will give my first and my best and i'm going to trust god to bless the rest look at second corinthians chapter 8 verse 7 it has to be a lifestyle 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 it's not just a one time i want to encourage you maybe you tried tithing maybe you tried putting god first and all hell broke loose i want you to know you're doing the right thing You just got to know. It's not an accident you started tithing and your wash machine stopped working. It's not an accident you started tithing and things started going bad. The enemy, listen, what's he want to do? He wants to rob you of walking in the truth of God. It's a battle, but I promise you this, that over your lifetime, as you stay faithful, God will remain faithful. It's got to be a lifestyle. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, look at what it says. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving, to be exceptionally good. That's what excel means. So I I want you to do it so much that you're really, really, really good at being a giver. That's what rich givers do. They're good at giving. My mom, she, she would hate it if I told on her, but she told me the other day, you know, she lost my dad. We, we lost him about a year and a half ago now. And, uh, but she is one of the greatest women of faith I've ever met. And she told me she started doing something the Lord told her to do. She puts money in an envelope, and then she has some cards, and she says everywhere she goes, she just listens to God. And she'll see someone, and she'll feel like $20. bucks. she will put it in an envelope. She'll write a note on it and say, I felt the Lord tell me to give you this 20 bucks." You know, she'll hear something, $100. bucks. she will write it. And I'm telling you, you're, you're not talking about someone who makes millions. You're talking about someone who lives just like every one of us, but has learned to excel in the gracious gift of giving, that, God, I'm going to pull this money out, and I'm just going to have cash ready just to bless people. And she has some of the coolest stories of how someone will say, man, I was just just praying for God. I didn't have money for gas. This $20 is going to get me from here to there. What is that doing? That's showing people the goodness of God through a woman that listens to God. She's excelling in the grace of giving, excelling. The second way truly rich people give is they give sacrificially. They give sacrificially. Sacrificially means in a way that's offered as a sacrifice, that what you gave cost you something. Like, I I, I appreciate tithing, but that's beginners. You know, that's, that's like I learned that when I was a kid. And and I'm I'm not saying that if you're just now learning that, I'm not equating you to a child, but I was raised in church. And so God got me on that real early. But there comes a point where that's just the foundation. Now I've learned to give sacrificially. I can't tell you how many times we have emptied our bank account and said, God, we felt like you're saying to empty it, so we're going to empty it. It's funny. We buy real estate. We buy homes. Phyllis and I have a real estate investment company. And I told my kids, I said, I just, I just need you to know two things. Number one, I'm gonna give each of you a house when I die. One, that's your inheritance. And then number two, I'm not giving you any money because Mom and I are going on vacations. And I got a good amen right there. And we're giving it all away. We're giving it all away given it all away. I've given it all away. I've given it all away. I've given it my greatest desire. I can't wait till the day I can tie the million dollars to this church for ties and a million dollars into our legacy. That's the day that will say my dream has been fulfilled. I've given it all away. Why? Because you can't take it with you. Like, listen, wouldn't it be the biggest tragedy for us to make it into heaven having secured our salvation but live as poor people because we we, we had trusted ourselves. We wanted what the world had to offer more than listening to what God told us to do. Did you know that when you give, you get treasures in heaven? Like, it's not a joke. It's not like some fairy tale. The Bible clearly talks about that. And I know this. I want to die having done everything and given everything away and hear the word of the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. The percentage that we give, it matters. It matters. And the tithe is just the baseline. Look, let me show you, and I'm going to close with this passage. Luke 21, 1 through 3. This is a story of the woman that gives... Just the smallest amount, two small copper coins into the offering bucket, and Jesus is sitting there, which is so weird. Could you imagine, which we don't pass offering plates and buckets, we have giving centers, you can always scan the QR code in the seat in front of you, and we give online and digitally, but could you imagine if I said, come on, it's offering time, set a bucket right here and let me just watch. (laughs) Jared, you first. (laughs) Come on, Chad. Come on, Ollie. Come on, Philip. Come on, Gerald. Let me just see. Just see. And Jesus is watching. I don't know. That's kind of weird to me. Jesus just didn't care. I mean, and he's sitting there watching. And this is a passage where he has watched all these rich people putting gifts into the temple treasury. Look at what it says in verse 1 through 3. As Jesus looked up. He saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put two very small copper coins in. He said, truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the rest I mean, right? Didn't that totally blow our minds? Like, because to us, it's like, no, no, no. The amount you gave was so minimal. And, and how many times, like, listen, if you give here, we write every first time giver a card. Why? Because we want to acknowledge the fact that you trusted us enough to give. I don't care. It was funny. It wasn't funny. It was such a blessing to me. Roman, the other day, I don't know if Roman's in here, he gave in the legacy offering and, uh, and wrote every legacy giver a card. And Roman came in and he said, Pastor, he said, thank you for my letter. I said, man, you're so welcome. I value the fact that you believe in this vision. I don't care about your age. I don't care about the amount. It's the fact that you said, and to him, that was a lot of money. And to you, look, I, I know because some of you, you give big amounts, but in God's eyes, it's little. It's little because of how much you make. To others, you feel like what I give is just not a love. Yeah, but compared to what you make in God's eyes, woo, you're a giant. What is that? That's percentage giving. It's percentage giving. And he says, look, she has given more than all the rest. It's an amazing thing to realize that God's scales not the same as the world's scale. And that if I'll keep my eye on eternity, and I'll listen to what he has to say, and I'll I'll fulfill what the words say in the Bible, it's amazing how we can become recession-proof. We can become uh, economy-proof. It doesn't matter what's happening. Inflation doesn't matter. Someone said, what are you going to do? I'm going to keep preaching the word. I'm going to keep casting vision. I'm going to keep advancing the kingdom of God. Our scale is not based on the world, but based on God. And if you want to survive in these days, you know, I've looked at some of those prices on my God, it seems like everything's getting smaller and the prices are getting bigger. But as a Christian, when we jump into God's system, doesn't matter what's happening. We live by faith, God, and I've done this, hey, through this process of the building. God, you promise we are faithful givers. We tithe. God, we give to missions. I go back to this covenant. God, I'm telling you right now, I'm standing on this and I'm asking you, would you open the windows of heaven? And when we needed that 1.3 million, I'm telling you what, little by little, it wasn't some magic man come in and drop a $1.3 million check. It was a victory day after day after day. Sometimes we want the large victory, but God said, I'm going to give you manna sometimes. Just this day and next day. I don't know what I'm going to do about tomorrow, but my question is, what are we going to do about today? If I could just be faithful with today, tomorrow will take care of itself. I want to go back to one God story, and I'm going to close with this. When we talk about God doing what only he can do. L- listen to the story of Barbara. Barbara shared that in September she was struggling financially. She was in a place where she would not be able to pay rent for the next month, but had been denied rental assistance. And that same month she also received a $1,200 bill from her son's college that needed to be paid So that he continues his education. She was stressed and worried because she did not know how to make everything come together. Barbara said she'd been tithing for a while and she wanted to continue if she could. However, when her next paycheck came in, she knew that she'd have to decide between paying her bills and paying her tithes. She said she spent an hour and went back and forth with God. And in the end, she felt like she needed to trust God and give him her first and her best. That same day, that same day. Listen to what happened. She received a call from her son where he told her that he received a $2,500 scholarship that would cover his bill and a little extra for his school. She then called back the rental assistance place. A few days later, she was told to reapply, and this time her assistance was approved not for one month, but for three months. I'm telling you what. We serve a faithful God. That's where we as believers, I don't care what's happening in the economy. I do care. I do care. I know the struggle. But I'm not going to live bound by what's happening, that we serve a God of greater. Come on, stand up on your feet for me.